I'm going to try something new today. Instead of uh, reading really long quotes, I'm going to put them on the board so we can read them together. Yay! I mean, on the slide. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, let's see here. If anyone needs a handout, we have them at the table outside or the table out front, or I've got some here. So if anyone needs them, um, go ahead, raise your hand, and we'll have someone bring one to you. Normally, someone young. Okay. okay well, I've got more here if you need one. And uh, there we go. And uh, let's see. No equipping hour next week. No equipping hour next week. It's not that we don't want you to be equipped. Uh, we just are sensitive that you may not. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I think we're sensitive because we don't necessarily want you to be here all day. And uh, we have an exciting next week planned. We have service at 1030, um, followed by church lunch, followed by our members meeting. So that is going to be a great time uh, for our hearts to all be synced in unison so we can think the same things and have the same mind and pursue unity together, being excited about what God is doing at uh, Cornerstone Bible Church. So that is our members meeting next week. It'll it's going to be a couple hours, right? It's going to be a couple hours after lunch, realistically. Um, Pastor Joshua sent out the notes. There's a place where you can put question and answers. I don't really need to say all this now because we have an announcement time for this. Um, but, uh, so, but that's why we don't have equipping hour next week, but we will uh, return the week after that as we continue our a series on Union with Christ. If you, if you have any idea about uh, uh, things that you would like taught at Equipping Hour, I would love to hear those ideas. So shoot me an email, come up to me afterwards. If there's, if there's uh, conversations you're having, maybe with one another, conversations with your teens, conversations with the lost world, if there's things in your Christian life you're like, this is, I need to know how to do this. Um, the Bible calls me to do this, but I'm not exactly sure what to do. Or there's this area of doctrine I'm really confused about. I would love to be hearing any ideas that uh, you have as I plan out next year. That's going to be the goal is to go in the year with a whole year planned. And, uh, uh, and uh, maybe even future years. So I would love to hear what ideas you have. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll just review quickly where we've been and get ready for where we're going. Oh, Father, you are so kind um, that you determined um, before the creation of the world that we would know you by that name. And there's this uh, relationship with you in English. We call you Father. Um, we know that that word is different around the world, but that there is something true that in our understanding of, um, I guess, the most ideal relationship of a father and son, it's pictured something um, that is uh, been in your eternal heart that we would know you as father. And that's most clearly revealed in your relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for this great privilege uh, that, that, that we get to think about this morning, uh, our union uh, with Christ, our being in him, and uh, the a privilege of adoption. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to try to do slides today. Let's see here. Ooh, look at that, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty excited. Okay, so um, um, I'm happy to hear any feedback about how I can do slides better, um, and we will try to, hopefully that will unify us and it's nice. I can, I can see it up there, too. Okay, anyways. Okay, so this is our equipping hour where we have a series about our union with Christ, what it means to be in Christ. And uh, we'll just go over real quickly where we've been. We spent the first couple of weeks talking about union with, with, with Christ and what, is it, um, what does it mean to be, to be in him and uh, going the ways, a bunch of different verses, the ways that Scripture talks about that. Then we talked about how our justification is in Christ. And that is our being declared legally righteous, that we have not broken any of God's laws, that we've been declared as law keepers rather than, than lawbreakers. Now, is, is it possible, is that font small for you? 
Yeah, okay, maybe, okay, okay, good, okay. Yeah, well, I can work on that next time, maybe if you see that small. Um, we also have talked about our reconciliation being in Christ. We have a restored relationship with God. They're no longer uh, at, at, at enmity uh, with God, no longer at war with God, but that we've been reconciled to God. We've also talked about our sanctification being in Christ. We talked about how there are different aspects of sanctification. That's, that's about us being morally transformed, that we are pure, that we are appropriate to God's presence, that it, there's, there's a positional definitive aspect that in Christ um, we have been sanctified, but there's also a progressive ongoing aspect in which we are becoming more like Christ. I read this a neat quote. quote I've been loving this uh, um, this a daily de devotional called, oh, where is it? Oh, there it is. Okay, called called Voices from the Past, and it is just a a, a little excerpt uh, from from various Puritans. And this is the one that I read last night, which is pretty cool. Um, it says, "Before the world was, He God. Uh, before the world was, God delighted in us. Before we had our existence, except in the infinite mind and purpose in God." So. God knew that we were going to be. And so before we were created, before even the world was created, God delighted in us who had decreed this delight for us in Christ. If you are in Jesus Christ, God has decreed, decided that he would delight in you in Christ. Now go on to this second sentence. This gives abundant security for God's people. Happy would it be if Christians in perplexity and distress, when we are feeling perplexed and distressed, would turn their eyes from the defects or the, um, the mistakes, the, the sin and their obedience to the fullness of Christ and see themselves complete in him. That is why we're doing this series. And so that you know who you are in Christ, so that you are know, know that you are justified in Christ and reconciled in Christ and sanctified in Christ. And today we're going to be talking about being adopted in Christ. But I just love that sentence. Just read this last night. Uh, it, it's it's it, it's kind of neat. And this is a quote from 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 John Flavel where it says, "Complete in Him," which is the title of this uh, 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 a book I've been reading by Michael Barrett about about this uh, doctrine. But that we as Christians in in perplexity and distress because of our sin would turn their eyes from the defects in their obedience to the fullness of Christ and see themselves complete in him. And how much of the Christian walk is that? Yes, we need to be repenting of our sin, but not staring at our sin, but uh, staring on Christ and seeing our blessings uh, uh, in him. The next uh, blessing that we're gonna be talking about is our adoption in Christ. I guess we really wanna see that. Okay, and, uh, and we're gonna... First, to really kind of understand this, uh, this, 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 doc, this doctrine of adoption, we need a little uh, historical background. And so when we think about ad adoption, adoption is a legal act. It is a, a, a judicial act, and the word literally means placement as son. So it's being placed as a son into a family. I got a quote here by Jerry Bridges that that uh, helps us understand uh, in in the in the, the Greco-Roman culture a childless man. So this is normally what adoption was. It wasn't just a way of like, well, we've got six kids and we want to grow our family. We'll get a couple more. Uh, it was largely a childless man would adopt a a mature young man to continue the family name and to receive the th the the. The family, the family in, in inheritance. When the Apostle Paul uh, was talking about adoption, this would have been some of the background he was thinking of. Um, someone would would adopt a mature young man to continue the family name and to receive the the family in, in inheritance. It wasn't so much a matter of of love. Although it could be, but it wasn't just a matter of love. There was a lot of practical to it. Like we are getting old and we don't have any kids and who is going to take care of us? And we got this stuff. Who's this stuff going to, to go to? There's an inheritance that needs to be passed on. Here's another quote by Michael Barrett. Uh, the uh, legal son once adopted 
was in every respect under the law a full-fledged member of the family with the same rights as a natural-born son, including addition to the will of the father. So this brings out some of that legal aspect. It was making someone who was not your son truly your son, and uh, he had the rights of a son and the privileges of a son. And that's really what's going to be key behind this idea of our adoption. It's this idea of rights and 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 privileges. So in the ancient world, it wasn't so much uh, a matter of love, although we're going to see that that's why God adopted us. He didn't need anyone to uh, uh, to care for him in his old age. He didn't need anyone to take over the the the, the inheritance for him. Um, um, so, but in the ancient world, it was it was a matter largely of of what was good for the person doing the adopting. Well, how sweet that that is not really uh, what is in God's heart unless what's good for him is good for his glory. And so let's look at what uh, adoption is. I don't know why, why it shows those again. I'll have to figure that, that out. But here's some, uh, some definitions. We're going to read a few of them. Um, you've noticed that uh, I've been quoting some from the uh, uh, Westminster Catechism, either shorter or longer, been blown away. Uh, it's really encouraging when you start studying uh, who we are in Christ and really so many of these doctrines and saying, wow, we believe the same thing people did 400 years ago. And that is just very encouraging. We can read about adoption and our definition really hasn't changed. So what is adoption? Adoption is an act of God's free grace right? He, he totally of his grace. He didn't need to adopt his, and, his, and that's the amazing thing. In the Trinity, in eternity, Father, Son, and Spirit were thoroughly happy, fully satisfied. And it's out, out of the overflow of love, not out of neediness, not out of like, well, I've got a, a, a hole in my heart and I need to fill that. It's out of the overflow of that triune, eternal love uh, that, that God adopts an act of God's free grace whereby we are received into the number, uh, well, the number of what? Of the sons of God and have the right to all the privileges of the sons of God. And that's what it is to be adopted into God's family. Here's a, uh, another quote from, from, from biblical doctrine systematic theology. In adoption, God legally places regenerated and justified sinners into his family. Now, this can get a, a little tricky and we can look at 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 these doctrines, and uh, all of this happens at the same time. Uh, regeneration, justification, adoption, you can't really say, okay, well, 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 on this day you were regenerated, on that day you were justified, and then you were adopted. Um, but there is some kind of, of, of sense to having, uh, to, to understanding these things in order, even if they all happen at at once, but this is where uh, God legally uh, places regenerated and justified sinners into his family so that they become sons and daughters of God and, and thus enjoy all the rights and privileges of one who is a member of God's eternal family. That's beautiful, member of God's eternal family. Um, now, I'm going to read this uh, next quote uh, by, 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 by John Murray, and uh, and one of the neat things as you think about adoption is that there's so, there's, God had already given us so much. He had forgiven our sins, declared us righteous, sanctified us. Like, why did he have to make us his children? Like, we could have been, been just really good slaves. We would have been, like, that had been so much better than we deserved. So there's something incredible, uh, an insight into who God is, that in his eternal heart, he wanted us to be his children. He didn't have to do that. We would have been like so thrilled to be like, I'm no longer a slave to sin, and I'm not going to be judged. And so, and so some, some theologians want to talk about this as the best of the best, right? Like, like, like this is like when you go to that Soma Soma, you know, the place where they put the red bean inside the little waffle fish. You guys ever been there? There's, there's one in Fullerton, a little waffle fish. You can put some red bean or different kinds of stuff in there. Um, but when you get ice cream, you know, you're like surprised, like, oh, this is nice. And then they say, do you want toppings on that? And they don't charge you for the toppings. Okay? 
<laughs> they don't even try. Okay, there it goes. So Francis knows this. Um, so adoption is just, it, it's the cherry on the top. You're like, we, we, we already had all these other blessings. And then he threw, he wants us to be his children. So, uh, John, so John Murray is going to bring some of that through. Adoption is an active transfer from an alien family. That doesn't mean you, you were aliens, uh, but from a family that was not God's family into the family of God himself. This surely the apex of grace and privilege. It doesn't get any better. We would not dare to conceive of such grace, far less claim it apart from God's own revelation and assurance. You could put a justified, sanctified sinner apart by themselves for eternity, and they would never think, you know, I think God should have adopted me too. Right? We would have just been blown away. But then God just ratchets up grace and uh, he blows our mind so much that we wouldn't believe it. We wouldn't know it if he didn't tell us. It staggers imagination, Murray says, because of its amazing condescension and love. The spirit alone could, could, could be the seal of it in our hearts. And then uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, 2, 2, 9 through 10, and I'll read it to you. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the adepts of God. Only God's Spirit could convince our hearts that God wants you to be part of his family. It is too good. No one would ever imagine it. No one ever would, would, would ever believe it apart from God's Spirit. Um, making it clear what's so cool is that we're even going to enjoy this more in eternity because when we are finally before God, we're going to really get how sinful we were, which means we're going to appreciate his grace even more, which means adoption is going to be even better. Really, that's kind of what our sanctification is, is a little bit. It's, it's as we become more holy, we understand we, we enjoy his grace, we deserve his grace even less. So this is just going to get better for us. Um, when, when, when you finally close your eyes and open them in Christ's presence, um, we're going to love this all of his grace even more. Uh, so then Murray continues, it, it is only as there is the conjunction of the witness of revelation and the inward witness of the Spirit in our hearts, that we are able to scale the pinnacle of faith and say with filial confidence, so that's the uh, response to a father, filial confidence and love, Abba, Father. Our hearts would never cry, Father, if it weren't for God's Spirit in us. So beautiful. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that I can add to that, but we have, you know, 40 minutes left. So we're going to talk uh, about how adoption is different from, from, from regeneration and, and uh, justification. So this just helps us uh, kind of be clear about what this doctrine is. And, uh, and, and it's kind of important because regeneration is being born again right? And uh, when someone is born again, they are born into a family, right? They have new life. And, uh, and so how is that re really different uh, from, from adoption? It's kind of neat because there's, there's two ways to, to enter into a family, and one is being born into a family, another is being adopted into a family, and both are present when we enter into God's family. We are his children by new birth, by regeneration, and we're also new children through, through, through adoption. Um, by regeneration, and I think we're going to go back and, and, and talk about regeneration, kind of a, a mini-series on how we get to be in Christ. These are all the blessings of being in Christ, but how do we get to be in, in, in Christ? Um, regeneration is when we get a, 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 new, a, new, a new nature. Adoption focuses on the rights and privileges of that new nature, of being in God's family. Um, the same spirit who gives us new birth in regeneration then cries out into our hearts towards God, uh, Abba, Father. Regeneration is first, like if uh, we read about regeneration in scripture, that is an act of God's spirit. And adoption is an act of, 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 of God the Father. That's not saying that um, the whole Trinity is not involved in this, but 
Regeneration is attributed to the Spirit and adoption to, to the Father. Regeneration transforms our nature where adoption is a legal act. And so I got another quote, quote here by John Frame. Now, regeneration tells us that our spiritual life comes from God, right? So if you have a heart that loves God, that wants to know Him, wants to please Him, wants to live your lives for Him, that is uh, from, from, from regeneration. Adoption emphasizes that God admits us into a family that, that, uh, that we did not originally belong to. In regeneration, God grants new life. In adoption, God grants new privileges, a, 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 a new inheritance. Now, how is it distinct from justification? So justification and adoption are both legal. Uh, justification is our relationship uh, with God as lawgiver and judge, right? So he justifies us after we had broken his law. He declares us righteous as not having broken any laws and having kept his law. And that, that's only by Christ's righteousness being imputed, being accredited to us. Adoption is a legal relationship. It's a legal relationship to God as father. Got a quote here about that by Robert Raymond. Whereas justification addresses the question of one's relation to the law. Are you a lawbreaker, a law keeper? Uh, definitive sanctification, which we talked about last time, addresses the question of one's relationship to the power of, of sin. That's that transformative uh, uh, power of being in Christ. Adoption addresses the question of one's relation to God the Father himself. And one more quote here. Adoption is the legal debt is a legal debt declaration by the divine judge that the justified one has been made a member of the divine judge's family. Isn't that cool? Uh, that the justified one has been made a member of the divine judge's family. So you committed treason against God. That's true of all of us. You were his enemy. He judged you as blameless because of his son taking sacrifice. And then that judge brings you into his family and adopts you as his own child with all the rights and, 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 and privileges that come with that. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, knowing God as father. Okay, so 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 um, and really, what I'm going to do do here for the most part is kind of talk about what knowing God as Father isn't, and then hypothetically, we're going to get into small groups and look at a bunch of verses and talk about some of the rights and privileges of knowing God as Father. So let's first, though, but I don't want to just start with the negative, and uh, there's probably uh, I, I don't know if there's a sweeter verse than First John three one through two about the Father's love. Um, I have to read re read up there. I didn't print it. Okay. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. That is the Father's love. What manner of love? What in the world is this love? How could we be the recipients of this love uh, that the Father's given to us that we should be called children of God? And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him at, as he is. Um, knowing God as Father, being adopted, is being blown away by the Father's love. And as a, we, uh, and, and if you notice the, the back table, I think that there's inserts in the bulletin as we kind of focus uh, on adoption this a Sunday. Um, uh, what manner of love that the Father would adopt us into his family. Now, as we think about having God as Father, um, there, 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 are, there are some distinctions to make. And one is that uh, we have a different relationship with God as Father than, than, than all humans, where there are just a couple scriptures that refer to God being the father of, of, of all people, meaning that he is, that, that they have their origin in him. But that's not the way that most scripture talks about, about God as father. Another distinction is, is, is the way in which our experience of God as father is not the same as the eternal son of God's experience of God as father. 
Now, I don't totally understand all the ways in which our experience of God as Father is different from Jesus's. So much of our salvation is being brought in to experience God as Father. And who do we know as, as the Son of God? Jesus. So as we want to have a relationship with God's Father, it is going to be in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, and we're going to be looking at the Father's love for the Son, and yet there's this way um, that, and, and uh, Jesus, sometimes I don't know why that happens. Okay, so so there is in, in, in John 27, this is after Jesus's re- resurrection before he ascends to the Father. Jesus said to Mary, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So that is an incredible distinction that after Jesus um, completes the work on the cross so that we can be redeemed, he's still making a distinction between the way that we know God as father and the way that he knows God as father. I don't exactly know what all those distinctions are. But it is good to remember that when we become sons, we do not become gods, right? We participate in this eternal communion, but not in the same way exactly that the son does. And uh, so here's another quote by John Murray. Maybe, hypothetically, okay. Uh, There is, first of all, God's fatherhood, which is exclusively Trinitarian. So the Father, Son, and Spirit, God the Father has been enjoying fatherhood of the Son and from them them, the relationship with the Spirit for all eternity. It is exclusively Trinitarian. The fatherhood of the Father, the first person of the Trinity in relation to the Son, the second person. It is unique and exclusive. No one else is a Son in this sense. The eternal Son of God is the only begotten, and no one shares in his sonship as God the Son, just as God the Father is not the Father of any other in this sense in which he is the Father of the only begotten and eternal Son of God. So that there is differences there, but um, in, in a way that we should wonder and marvel at what was going on in eternity past that the Father looked at the Son and was delighting in the Son, and the Son was delighting the Father, and they were together delighting the Spirit, and the Spirit delighting in the Son and the Father, perfectly happy for all eternity. And so when we become children, it's not like, hey, the Son is going to make room for us all to take part of that eternal same relationship. But there is a way in which we get to participate in the Son's in the Father's love for the Son as we are in Him. So it's good to remember that it is different, um, but I have a difficulty understanding exactly the difference, except that we are to be respecting that the Son has an eternal relationship with the Father. Ours is an adoptive relationship. And as one said, um, I mean, let's, and let's maybe, uh, um, so, so we could say that our experience of God the Father is specifically, oh yeah, and we can make this, uh, this uh, distinction as well, that, uh, um, that, 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 that we specifically have a relationship with God the Father as Father. We don't have a relationship with God the Spirit as Father. We don't have a relationship with God the Son as Father. It's not just as with God as Father, as the triune God as Father, but with God the Father as Father. And I think that most of us uh, 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 assume that, but it is, it, it, it is worth thinking about that when it talks about our relationship with the Father, that is not kind of like a, a, um, a replacement word for the triune God. Right, we have our replace. Uh, we, we we have this relationship, this adoptive relationship with God as Father, and so Murray says. So though the relation of fatherhood differs, it is the same person who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in the ineffable under you can't understand it, mystery of the Trinity, who is the Father of of of, of believers in the mystery of His adoptive grace. So that there's the Father. Eternal Father in the Trinity is our Father in God's adoptive grace. 
And so we could say that we don't uh, participate in the inner life of the Trinity, but we have this redemptive fatherhood, that we get to enjoy uh, God as Father. And I don't understand all of the um, distinctions. When I think about Jesus, God the Son become man, and his relationship with the Father, I think that it's in him, Jesus Christ, that we most understand our relationship with God the Father. But even Jesus resurrected is still making a distinction, my Father and your Father. And when he teaches us to pray, he teaches us to pray as our Father. He doesn't say, uh, your Father and my Father, our Father. So, um, so hopefully that is useful, maybe. So let's talk about uh, um, knowing God as Father more. And this is, again, a, 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 a distinction I think is a useful um, and maybe the kind of thing you have begun hearing. So what does Abba mean, right? So, uh, so Galatians 4.6 says, And because you, you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So what, is, so what does that word Abba mean? And um, maybe you've heard that that's a very intimate word, which is true. So it's kind of like daddy. And, and reading through commentaries, they kind of, kind of, kind of caution, caution against that. And there's some good background here. And what does it mean when, we, uh, uh, when, it's, when the Spirit cries in our heart, Abba, Father? So Abba, uh, when, when commentary writes on, on Galatians, was the very word used by Christ in, in prayer as recorded in Mark 14, 36. So from the cross, uh, Jesus cries out, Abba. Now that is the Aramaic word for Father. Now, it is difficult when you translate words because you're translating from one language into a, a another. And, and when it says Abba, Father, it's translating the Aramaic word Abba into the Greek word um, Father, which, uh, or, or it's like, I can't even, it's like pater, patros, or something, yeah, which is then translated into the English word father. So Jesus, when he cries out Abba, it is possible that that is the word he always used when he talked to God as father. There's some who think that, that, that Jesus primarily spoke Aramaic. So Abba could have been his, his, his always word for father. So when he cries from the cross, Abba, that is his word for father. So, um, uh, Cole, so Cole continues, while it was the usual intimate name used by a child to its father within the home, it is certainly over-sentimentalizing, if not trivializing, to translate it as daddy. Now, I know that some of this, um, you may have called your dad dad all of your life. I called my dad Papa, and if I call him by name, it's still Papa. So that's probably an appropriate word. It's not saying that the word that you use as a child is shouldn't be used toward God now, um, but that it's not necessarily the word of an infant toward a father. It's 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 not a a baby speech toward the father. It is it, it is it is the word of of the home. It is a a, a intimate word. Uh, another commentator says that Abba is not a nickname. It's not a childish term of, 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 of sentimentality or endearment. It's an honorific title that expresses the utmost reverence and respect due to any father. So it is a close word, but it's also a respectful word. And, uh, and so that's where I know that each of our homes differ, but as you think about the way that you talk to God, it's not in baby terms. It is respectful. I think father works well, but again, different homes may have grown up with different words. And, uh, um, yeah, so I think that that is enough on that. Now, uh, we're going to look quickly add a couple of the key scriptures um, um, on adoption. The word adopted is used 
in four places referring to our relationship with God. A key one is Ephesians 1, 1, 5 through 6. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6. And it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Incredible there. Um, I'm curious, as I read that verse, maybe we can get the uh, mic going, and I can ask you if there's anything that stands out to you in that verse um, about the wonder of being adopted into God's family. And, uh, and so maybe you just as, and I'll read it again, you notice something that makes this wonderful. So Ephesians 1, 5 through 6, and I'll read you, 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 you can see that the in love comes from the end of, of uh, verse 4. I'm pretty sure that uh, most commentators uh, think it should go with this concept that follows next. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. What is something that stands out to you about that verse that just makes it wonderful? Go ahead and raise a hand. It doesn't have to be, I mean, it can be obvious. We'll just, we're just going to get some conversation going. Raise a hand and Will's going to run it to you. Thank you, Joshua. I'll get us started because there's really a lot. In here. Yeah, right. Sure. Uh, John Piper has a, you could Google this at some point. He has a great little uh, short video on this verse where he talks about adoption being bigger than the universe in that uh, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself and that God's plan to adopt you into his family came even before the creation of the universe. So that's that's a starter. That's a wow. reason to be amazed. Yeah, 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 yeah great. Okay. Just imagine John Piper saying that in a really cool way. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Caroline. According to the purpose of his will, like mm -hmm. not random or reactionary. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah. Josh has got one. Yeah, just piggybacking off Caroline, um, that he predestined us for adoption himself as sons through Jesus, according to the purpose of his will. If you ask, like, why? Why did why did God, like, he, one of the answers the text would give, like, for your adoption is because he wanted to, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's because it was his will. It was yeah. his desire. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, great. Yep, in... Uh, I don't know if you could say in, in the orphanage uh, 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 of eternity past, in a sense, right? But it was it wasn't that. It was we were we were at war with him. He knew we were going to be at war with him, and yet it pleased him to say, "I'm going to take all these rebels and I'm going to make them sons." Why? Because it pleased him. We, we and we mentioned love. Is there another reason here? Yeah, Francis. Yeah, so to the praise of his glory. Yeah. Glory's grace. So to, there's a purpose, and then the purpose behind that is that he would receive praise, that he would be glorified. So yeah. that's, that's an amazing thing in and of itself. Yeah, so that we will know that God is a gracious God. Um, he didn't, he didn't adopt any angels, right? But because he adopted us, we know his grace for eternity. Is there something else that stands out to you from this verse? Ed, this is fun. Uh, makes me worship Christ more, uh, especially as um, uh, I, I read uh, adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So it makes me want to seek Christ more, uh, praise him more, worship him more because mm. of it. Yeah, great, Ed. Thank you. Josh has got one. Yeah. Oh, wait, we're going to bypass Josh. There we go. Um, it says that we are adopted in the beloved. Mm -hmm. So Christ is the beloved, and so are we. So we are beloved by God, the Father, the maker of the universe. And so yeah. that should really comfort us in times of distress, or we never have to feel alone 
yeah. or uncared for. Great. Thank you. Yeah, and like that is where where uh, um, and if you're not reading anything in Scripture, have fun reading through John. Wow, like 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 after studying this and even just dabbling in in the Gospel of John, you're like this relationship with the Father and Son is so sweet and so mysterious, and all the stuff that the Son says about our relationship with the Father, it's just like it's just like having your mind blown. Um, yeah, it really is. Josh. Yeah. Well, a couple things. One would be, again, what Ed said through Jesus Christ, but how different that is than a lot of adoption. You don't have the older brother dying so that you can be part of the family. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, it's not just like going to court. It's actually the purchase price for my adoption was uh, the death of the older brother. That's great. And then that makes his grace. It's not just to the praise of his grace. It's to the praise of his glorious grace. Like it's a heavy grace. It's like a, it's like um something that is uh, really awesome but scary at the same time because it's somebody died that I might be part of this family. Yeah. Uh, sweet. Let's uh, uh, look at the uh, next verse here. Not that we couldn't spend more time on uh, this one. The uh, next is, is, is Galatians 4, 4 through 7. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, Born of a woman, born born under the law, meaning that Jesus uh, 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 Jesus obeyed the the law, fulfilled the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, "Abba, Father!" So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir, uh, then an heir through God. Um, what do we see in this verse needed to happen before we could be adopted? Before we could receive adoption, what needed to happen? Anyone want to try and answer that one? Christ came and fulfilled the law. Yeah. So now we're not under that penalty. And that is a great, amazing weight removed from us. Yeah. That we don't have to be responsible for that law. Oh, great. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that 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 we needed uh, Christ to come to, to, to fulfill the law. We had to be rescued from our slavery, right? We had to be rescued from, from the curse of the law, from the law that we hadn't kept, and Christ did that so that we could receive adoption as a son's great. Thank you. Um, what we see in verses uh, six and seven are some of the uh, um, um, blessings that follow. So, so if if uh, he rescued us from slavery, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. What does verse six and seven say is some of the blessings? Although I think you, you already mentioned those, 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 those lovely a little bit. Does anyone see anything, anything stand out to you in verse six and seven um, about, about our adoption? Yeah, Josh. Well, uh, when you adopt, obviously you want your kids to know that they're your kids, yeah. but you don't have uh, total power over that. And yet it's neat to see that God didn't just adopt us into his family. He also went to work so that we might really know him as father. And he gave us this gift of the spirit so yeah. that we can experience what it's like to be part of his family and really enjoy that. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, it, 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 it reminds of, of, of that John Murray quote that this grace is so great that we actually had to have God's spirit not just bring us to life so that we wanted it, but then his spirit sent or, 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 or we would never really believe that God is our father. It's just too good. And uh, that's sweet. Anything else? Uh, any other blessings? Heir of God, yes, yeah, and 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 that idea of being 
a uh, heir of God, and you'll notice in your notes, I've, I've got a bunch of, 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 of verses there that, 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 that talk about being, being, being a heir uh, or our inheritance, but that idea is really key uh, to, to, our, to, to our adoption. It's one of the major uh, blessings that come after is that we are an heir of God, that we have an, inher- an inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ. And uh, and so that and again that brings out that that, that idea of uh, of a rights and and a privileges. Here's another verse, Romans eight fifteen to seventeen. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Um, we see um, some some uh, similar ideas from 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 uh, sim ideas with with the Galatians passage we had just looked at. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That spirit of slavery was was that we were under sin, um, that we were slaves of sin, that we knew that we were going to be judged for our sin. We don't go back to that old slavery to fall back into fear, but we know that we have this freedom of adoption as as, as sons, that the Spirit himself bears witness. And then uh, 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 adding to the heirs of God, we see here that we are fellow heirs with, 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 with Christ. There's one more uh, uh, verse that, 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 uh, uh, where Paul specifically mentions our adoption. It's Romans 8.23. And, and, and not only the creation, but we ourselves. So that means not only the, uh, Paul speaking of a creation groaning, uh, not only the creation is groaning, waiting for what God has planned, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And here we see that that there's a future aspect uh, uh, aspect to our adoption too. We are adopted, but we have not uh, experienced the fullness of that adoption as we will when we see Christ and we are glorified becoming like Christ. And so, uh, you, boy, in our adoption, the more that we love our adoption, the more that we are thrilled to belong to God as his child, the more love we have for Jesus Christ, and the more our hearts are going to ache to be like Jesus Christ, uh, to have his image sketched on us so that we love God as much as he loves God, and so that we please God as much as he pleases God. It's going to be our hearts yearning, and that is why we groan waiting for the redemption of of our bodies, we're already adopted, uh, but 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 that adoption is going to be finalized, and uh, and we look forward to that. Um, we have a, 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 a few minutes left, and I think it would be fun to uh, break into small groups, and uh, hopefully this is encouraging to you, and uh, you can uh, um, spend more time on this later. But on your uh, back sheet there, um, let me find one. There is a list of verses, and so since so much of adoption is about our rights and, 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 and privileges, I thought it would just be neat to just go through these real quickly in small groups, and so that you can ask yourselves, what are some of the privileges and the responsibilities of being God's child that stand out to you in the following verses? I think most of them are pretty easy. You should pretty much be able to, 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 to turn there, provided I got the uh, reference right, and uh, be able to be encouraged rather uh, by looking at what some of these rights and, 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 and privileges are. I kind of imagine us getting back together to share about them. I don't think that that's going to happen, but uh, let's spend some time. Just turn around in your chairs, open your Bible as quickly as possible. Don't just, just and let's get into 1 John 3. One, uh, 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 one and two, and then let's uh, um, move through those passages to see what some of those rights and privileges are. It doesn't have to be a big group. If it's just four of you, awesome. Just get your Bibles open and start looking through these uh, verses to explore to see what some of those rights and privileges are. Quicker you're, you're turning your chairs, the better. Everyone around you likes you. If they don't, that's on them, and uh, the Lord's going to help that after you read these verses, because they're your brother or your sister. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. 
Let's go, as Francis would say. Let's go. Hey, if you need those verses, I've got some. Just raise a hand. I'll bring them to you. I uh, should probably uh, gather us back together. Um, I know I didn't give you a ton of time if you didn't get a chance to finish through those verses, though. Um, hopefully you, uh, you, you might enjoy that this a week. There are some, some other verses there, there as well that talk about uh, just a little bit about what it means to, 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 to be an heir of Christ and our inheritance with him. There's some other resources there, as well as if you notice, there's a uh, message you could listen to by uh, by Joel Beakey. It's from the uh, Puritan Conference, and uh, it is what the Puritans uh, taught uh, on adoption, and it is a, a very encouraging message, as well as the uh, one that uh, Pastor Joshua mentioned uh, by uh, Piper. And what is it called again? Oh, something about universe and John... Oh, adoption is greater than the universe. Well, that sounds super cool. Um, you could also, as I mentioned, start reading John if you're not currently reading something, like just like mind blown really quickly. And uh, you could also just do a simple list of like verses about God as Father. And even, and even from the most sketchy non-Christian site, you're still like encouraged reading through them. And, uh, and uh, so, so just, uh, it really is just such a beautiful doctrine. So I hope that your hearts are encouraged. Yeah, that's Joshua. Oh, great. Okay, awesome. And then Pastor Joshua has free books. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, let's uh, close in prayer. Now, Father, that we know it was in your eternal plan um, that you would uh, set upon us a distinguishing love, uh, not because there was anything in us that was lovable, but because of your heart and that you put us in your Son, that we were chosen in him, and that we would get to enjoy this love for all eternity. Um, Father, our hearts cry out to you, Abba, Father, and we want to experience uh, more of that closeness that Jesus Christ experiences with you. We thank you, Father, that we hide ourselves in him, that he is our refuge. Lord, it is in Christ, our completeness in him, Lord, that we escape uh, uh, our obsession with, uh, with, with our performance, um, with our flaws, with the love of the world. Even think about First John 2, um, about how the love of the Father drives out the love of the world. Oh, Father, help us to keep ourselves from idols. When we know you as Father, how foolish for us to put anything in our affections um, that would minimize you, that would push you off of the throne of our hearts. And may we experience so much warmth with you as our Father, and I thank you for your kindness and your grace. And... Um, you are so much better than we deserve. Your, your grace is glorious. Uh, thank you for this time, and help us to minister to our brothers and sisters now. In Jesus' name, amen.